Hi, I'm Michael Hotard, creator of the Hotard Huddle and host of this awesome pod. In today's world of disinformation and misinformation, what if I told you there's an easy way to be informed about where you spend your money? Cluey Consumer. Download Cluey Consumer in the App Store or visit their website, clueyconsumer.com. Cluey can help you be an informed and conscious consumer. The app allows you to search for brands that you buy from every single day. The best part, it's totally free. The creators of Cluey Consumer hope to one day cover every purchase and every social, environmental, and political impact of those purchases. For example, my family frequently shops at Publix. With Cluey, I know that 73% of Publix political ad campaign spending goes to Republicans. The app doesn't have bias. It doesn't tell you how or where to purchase goods from. It just allows you to see exactly where that dollar could be going. Download Cluey Consumer today for free and become a more informed consumer. That's Cluey Consumer, C-L-U-E-Y Consumer. And again, totally free in the App Store. For more information, visit CluyConsumer.com. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in for the Hotsard Huddle podcast presented by HotsardHuddle.com. It's the pot of open discussion and open dialogue. We talk about a handful of topics that fall under the blanket of sports, entertainment, politics, and business. These are my friends, my people, my fans. You are now Inside the Huddle. Bringing in Michael Hotard back here for another episode of the Hotard Huddle podcast. I am pumped for this episode. It's sort of a special episode, if you will. It's going to focus on the great company that is All Elite Wrestling. They just uh, finished up AEW Full Gear. We saw the fallout from that on Dynamite this past Wednesday. On Tuesday of this week, they also had some major announcements in terms of video games. So I had to bring in a special guest for this one uh, in order to fulfill the uh, the recognition this deserves because, um, you know, it's been a long time since there's been a, a quality run of wrestling games released, which we'll get into that. But I brought in someone who was a guest on a previous episode. That is none other than one of my good friends and one of my fellow wrestling marks, Matt Freyu, a.k.a. Stumblebee. Uh, emphasis on the last part. Check him out on YouTube, Stumblebee. The reason I brought him on is, number one, huge wrestling fan. Number two, Stumblebee. His YouTube channel is centered around video games. So who better to talk about video games and the current state of AEW with than Stumblebee? So... Before we get to that, here's a message from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Cheers for Ears. No Disney trip or Disney theme party is complete without your very own character-customized Mickey ears. That's right. Any theme you want made right into your Mickey ears or Mickey hat. They're festive, fun, and affordable. For my family's next Disney trip, I purchased our very own Mike and Sully themed hats for my son and I. We absolutely love them and we'll use them for our trips here on out. 
Get your very own custom ears and let them make your dreams come true so you can look great and live your happily ever after in good fashion for your next trip. Receive 10% off if you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. That's Cheers for Ears. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at Cheers for Ears. Visit the information section on the episode or hotardhuddle.com for more information about their social pages and email. Again, Cheers for Ears. Receive 10% off your purchase when you let them know Hotard Huddle referred you. So bring some added magic to your next Disney trip with Cheers for Ears. Michael Hotard back here sitting with Stumblebee, also known as Matt for you. If uh, you're a friend of his, if you're a follower of his, give that man some respect and put, say, Stumblebee. You know what I mean? But, Stumblebee. Uh, Stumblebee. No, I'm super excited for you to be back on here. Um, you know, I it, it, pretty much any time an AEW pay-per-view rolls around, you and I talk about watching together, and we stay in tune when it comes to wrestling. But this past week, some huge, huge things happening in the wrestling industry. Uh, AEW had full gear, which we're going to dive into later. We're going to start this off by talking about the major announcements that came Tuesday, which this is something you and I have talked about constantly. And I think you said it best when we were texting about this. Why is it wrestling video games want to make them simulations for a fake sport, so to speak? Um, and, you know, I, I'm inclined to agree with that, you know, since really, I mean, the last run of good quality wrestling video games goes before 2010. Now you had a couple of good ones here and there. I think 2k19, uh, from WWE was good. Um, there, there were a few other ones along the way, but ultimately the last real wrestling game that I can say I thoroughly enjoyed top to bottom and poured hours upon hours into is SmackDown. Here comes the pain mm. and WWE has dropped the ball in many ways. I've talked about this on the blog and one of those areas is in the video games. So AW announces that they have their first run of video games. They are releasing two mobile games. Uh, one is going to be, uh, a gambling game, I think. I don't even know the premise of it, to be totally honest. It just sounds like a casino game. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they have a casino game. They have general manager mode, which was, um, it's called Elite GM. And basically you build your own wrestling card, something that wrestling fans across message boards have asked for in video games. Well, AW's delivering with a mobile version of that. And then you have the console game, um, which they did a small tease with uh, Jericho and Kenny Omega in as, as video game version, as well as... Uh, uh, Hikaru Shida, I think so. I think it was, was that, I think it was Shida. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they did a small trailer tease, and dude, I am so pumped because one of the things they announced is they want to bring it back to a more no mercy engine which for wrestling fans only decision yeah that's not even a choice so um kenny omega's talked about this for years or i say years really since AEW's been around since AEW became a company a video game was always inevitable and when you have a bunch of video game dorks who are executives in the company 
they're going to want to do this right. Um, so I think they made the right move getting Ukes back on the project. They now have a contract with Ukes, who did produce the games like WWF No Mercy, WCW NWO Revenge, World Tour, all these great games uh, from the Nintendo 64. And they have not only signed Ukes, they brought back the director of No Mercy. So Tuesday unpacked a lot and made me excited for the new age of wrestling video games. So after, after WWE 2K20 came out, or it was 20, that was the, the, that shit was the show. disaster, right? Yeah. Right. So that was a weird situation where uh, 2K, as a developer, took control of, the, of that franchise and completely cut out Ukes. And then Ukes, uh, leading up to that, was like, we're, hey, we're developing our own separate wrestling game. And I wonder if that is a more, I wonder if this No Mercy style video game is closer to what they had envisioned. Because yeah, they, they did make all of these fantastic games that you and I hold in great regard. But like, you think about the last few games and they were the lead developer on it. So I really am interested to see how this game turns out because I want to know how much of the last 10 years of wrestling video games was their fault, you know? Cause if they come out with something that's awesome, then it's all 2k. It's all WWE. But if it's really good, they were being held back by quite a good bit. And like you said, you got Kenny Omega, you got Cody Rhodes, you got all like, you got like most of the people in the AEW locker room play video games pretty regularly. So they know what a good game is going to be. And that I think is the exciting part for me because they're not going to let anything bad go out into the market. No, 100%. They've Omega's talked about this. Cody Rhodes has talked about this. The Young Bucks have talked about this. The announcement, the, by the way, was hilarious. Like, oh, 100%. All dressed up like, as going Steve, Jobs. Steve Jobs route. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was great. Anything that AEW touches at this point is gold and just doesn't disappoint me. And maybe I'm looking at it through rose-colored lenses, but I don't give a shit. I've been disappointed for the last 10 years with wrestling. So, <laughs> but um, no, they, uh, uh, you know, I, I am curious. I think you bring up a good point there with Ukes being on so many of these projects. But if there's one thing that I've, I have full confidence in it's those guys with AEW for them to put out a good quality game that people want. Um, you know, with WWE, it's hard. I'm hard pressed to say it's Ukes's fault because of how much control WWE wants in everything. And that starts at the top, um, of course, being Vince McMahon. You know, right now they're in a big controversy, which I was just listening to talk as Jericho about this um, with Vince McMahon trying to control all of their Twitch accounts. He had Andrew Yang, a right. uh, former uh, Democratic nominee for presidency. Um, he had Andrew Yang on his podcast and Andrew Yang's apparently a big wrestling fan as well. Yes. And yes, he is. One of the things he talked about was, with WWE subcontracting their wrestlers because these are not technically employees, they're contracted employees. Um, 
He talked about the hot water that WWE could potentially get in with this by trying to take the name and likeness of all of the, all of their talent and control every aspect of it. And it's a big reason why you see guys like Miro leaving. It's a, it's a dumb decision that they are going that far with it, especially when you have a company like AEW who may not want to bring every wrestler from WWE over, but like whenever you think of AEW in the sense of they're allowed to have their own sponsors, they're allowed to go on Twitch, they're allowed to have like an actual job if Britt Baker being a dentist has anything to do with it. Um, like there's a lot more you can do with AEW now. It personally, I'm not like the opportunities that WWE gives you as far as audience reach, it's probably larger than AEW at this point. But as far as individual freedom, I think AEW has a very um, a strong bargaining chip for when a lot of these major contracts come up for negotiation. 100%, dude. I mean, this is something that so many of their talent has talked about. It really on talk is Jericho. I think that's been kind of uh, – two things have really been the eye-opener for me on WWE and why I now pretty much loathe the, exist- the existence of the company. Um, <laughs> Under the Black Hat by Jim Ross, that book was fantastic. And then Talk is Jericho since AEW has launched because now you're seeing guys come over, um, FTR, Miro, formerly known as Rusev, um, all, these, all these talents that sort of just kind of fell under the fold. Uh, Brody Lee's another big example. Um, yeah, they, they talk about how much WWE hinders their creativity and how once, once they walked into the AEW um, uh, universe, if you will, I, I don't know what, what the correct terminology will be for <laughs> AEW, but once they walked into uh, All Elite Wrestling, they all echo pretty much the same thing. And it's, oh, I get to decide what I say in my promos. Oh, I get to have a say in my video packaging. Well, cool. What do you want me to do? It's uh, it- <laughs> it's always really funny whenever uh, a new WWE wrestler comes over to AEW and kind of gets that freedom uh, because you can kind of tell that they don't know what to say at all times as if it were scripted for them. For example, Rusev and Miro, whenever Miro came up with his, uh, whenever he had his first promo, he did the same thing that every wrestler does when they move companies. They talk about the brass ring. If I never have to hear that phrase again, it'll be too soon. And that's probably a thing that he def- like fall- fell back on because he didn't have anything scripted or bullet pointed for him. It's yeah. just, it, I love the dude. It's just one of those things that I'm like, that's what WWE does. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brody Lee, I think he had one of my favorite episodes and he talked a lot about this. Brody Lee's a very intelligent individual. He's, he's real smart. Right. Like he's, he's a very brilliant person. Um, but WWE always saw him as this backwoods dumb monster essentially. And Brody Lee was like, no, I don't want to be that. And then you see him talk. And when obviously he debuted back in March, I believe it was March. Um, you know, when he was revealed as the exalted one, the leader of the dark order. I mean, I instantly was like, oh yes, holy shit. Here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but he talks about that on talk as Jericho. He was like, 
you know, I want to show kind of my intelligence and that I'm not just some backwoods dummy who's just big and can brute you and with the dark order i love the mental side of that gimmick like he he's he's a hell of a promo too and it's i remember hearing a story i'm not sure if this was on talk is jericho um it probably was but i remember him saying that he didn't get mic time basically at all in wwe because he couldn't pull off a convincing southern accent yeah uh, 100 percent she just goes to show where the priorities at the World Wrestling Entertainment lie. Yeah, and, you know, we've kind of diverted away from uh, the video game talk here and had our rant about WWE, uh, which is, of course, going to happen. But let, let, before we dive into AEW Full Gear, let's, let's discuss the console game because that's what I'm most excited for. Sure. Um, I, I, you know, No Mercy Engine, obviously, that's something I hope to see. But... Um, a couple of things that, you know, I really hope to see with this, um, number one, I hope we have an assortment of match types, um, a a good career mode, even if it goes back to similar, what they used to be with the season mode, not necessarily, Hey, let me create a character, build a career, just kind of pick and choose anyone, keep it simple, um, be able to kind of decide the direction of your storyline, And again, I'm going to reference this a lot, but here comes the pain. That's one of the blueprint games that was just done as perfectly as a freaking wrestling video game could be done. So if they mimic a season mode similar to that, I am happy. And then the the other big thing I'm looking for is a creator wrestler suite. I want more options. You know, WWE games have kind of been very limited one of the things i will say i do like is the amount of perks like you get uh you know you get to select like your oh my god moments and stuff like that i think that's a i think that's a cool touch um and i hope we see some of that with AEW. um but i want more customization options for the look you know creative finisher is a big one um which I, they'll probably come over time with this being the first one. I doubt you're going to have all these new features. So mm-hmm. of course I'm prefacing this and hampering my expectations a little bit, but yeah, I mean um, a great season mode, a great creator wrestler suite. Um, and if I can get the no mercy gameplay engine, I am good. The thing that I am expecting out of, out of this game is since it is the first one, I am expecting a very solid first step in creating that game. Because what you're asking for is a lot for a developer making 100%. a brand new game on a new IP. But what I am expecting is solid wrestling. I am expecting um, a story mode that'll probably take you... Depends on how they want to do it. I remember WWF No Mercy just kind of put you in like a real life storyline, but substituted the, the players for your characters. Yes. And stuff. Yes. Uh, and so I am hoping what we get is, is um, a game that is just fun to play. Uh, if, if it is a solid video game, I'm happy. And one thing they could do to make me happy like that is, if they do get off on a pretty good first step, 
I would like to see them add characters to the roster over time via DLC, add match types over time via DLC. Yeah. If as long as the video gamers of AEW push for stuff that video gamers enjoy out of their video games, then I think we're on a really good path. One of the things that I, and I could be totally off base and wrong on this, but one of the things I don't foresee AEW doing is a yearly release at the same time every single year. I don't think so. Uh, I, I think, I think the guys in charge there care way too much about the quality of content. And I think what I'm hoping happens is something I've been hoping for with sports titles and all the video games that I play. Stop going for the same engine every year and promising all these new things when they don't even exist, number one. Um, and number two, like you said, create a good, solid foundation of a video game and for the next year and a half, two years, develop something better. And in the meantime, have roster updates, have match updates like you're talking about. Um, because honestly, when it comes to video games for the longest time, uh, and this was until the last few years when I just eventually got tired of buying the yearly titles. The only reason I bought yearly titles was to have updated players on sports games and updated characters in, on WWE games. Um, and I've cared less and less about that as I've gotten older. So if they do something where you can just kind of do a patch uh, and download a new update for it to where it updates pretty much the roster and everything in between, then that would be huge. Um, so just kind of similar point there of just rolling something out that's fun to play. Um, and, you know, make it get back to a good balance between simulation and arcade. Like having a full simulation wrestling game, like you said, and I'll, I'll say it again, it's, it's essentially a scripted sport. Why yeah, are we simulating? simulated? <laughs> Yeah. Um, one, one wish if they, if they go voice acting, if they go down that route, uh, with the actual wrestlers voicing their characters, voicing their lines, I hope to whoever's up there, uh, that they get a voice director who knows how to handle people who can't voice act, because that's one of my biggest problems with the recent, uh, WWE games is that they cannot have wrestlers for the life of them read lines off of a paper in a realistic, believable fashion. Right. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it's awful. They need to take uh, notes from the Hotard Huddle fantasy video. <laughs> Man. Um, so one thing that I think is going to be interesting to look at is... Um, this is kind of breaking away from the console game. I'm actually interested to see how that GM game turns out. Yeah. Uh, it's not it, that that series does not have, or GM games in general, I'm thinking like uh, football manager. I'm thinking of out of the park baseball. I'm thinking about those type of games. Those don't necessarily have the biggest audiences, but the audiences they do have are obsessive with those games one of the games that i have that i have tried to go back and play once um and i still want to it's just very time consuming to play a game in that style uh but nfl head coach yes i, I actually have one of i think the two titles that came of that for the ps2 
And I remember playing it for a while um, when I had first bought it. And I was like, dude, this is fucking dope. Even though I can't play the games, like this is fun. Um, so yeah, I, I, I am curious to see how a strictly GM game is going to work. I would be interested to see if the GM game and the console game have any way to um, combine functionality. Like you can make a match card on the, on the GM game. And if there's like a universe mode type of feature in the AEW game, like that match card can be in the console game, something like that. That would be interesting. I would like, I'm not sure if that would work like that because I think there are two different developers, um, but it's an idea. Absolutely. It would be a um, couple of features jumping back again to the console that I, I do want to see. Um, I'd love to see, uh, you know, more weapons added. Sure. Um, I, you know, the blood system, I think would be something else. Like I love the blood system and like, I think it was SmackDown versus raw 2008, where it was very much layered. Um, you know, another cool, like, things I think about with some of the older games that have kind of just dwindled, um, if you chop people in SmackDown versus Raw 2008, their chest would eventually turn red. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, blood spilling on the mat, like, just these different little intricacies <laughs> that made it fun. Um, the, the reason that that existed and that got faded out over time was because, now that I'm thinking about it, 2007, 2008 was around the release of the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360. Ah. So you know that they were like, oh, what can we do? Can we make these guys sweatier to make <laughs> them look good? Can we put the right reflections on them? Can we, can we make that damage look more realistic? Yeah. I'm really interested to see how the new games on the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox One X, uh, sorry, the Xbox Series X, it is a terrible naming convention. Um, <laughs> I'm really interested to see how they like crank it up in a yeah. way to make everything look you know normal and realistic for and sure crazy fun and cool well dude yeah. the the way it looked and again they did put um a disclaimer that this may not reflect what the final product looks like but i actually like the graphics a lot i like that video game larger than life feel that jericho and kenny omega had um yeah with the it was the most like no mercy style aesthetic and it yeah. kind of reminded me of WWE All-Stars. Yes. Which was the last good wrestling game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved that game so much. Now, let me ask you this. Like, just kind of talking from a gameplay standpoint. Because um, one of my favorite things to do is scope through all the moves, see how they look, see the animations for them. So, what moves in the, the AEW game like, let, let's just spitball here. Like, give me three moves you cannot wait to see in that game. Um, I want to see. I always want to see how they do the crossroads because it never, in, except in rare occasions, and we'll get to one specific instance when we talk about the, uh, the matches, the crossroads hardly ever looks good, but with the way that they're able to manipulate things in, in the 3D animation space. They always make it look pretty good, so I'm excited to see what they do with that, number one. Uh, you go. Let me think of another one. The, the, the number one move I can't wait to see, and I hope it looks good, because one of my favorite uh, finishing moves was the clothesline from Hell in like SmackDown vs. Raw 2010. I want to see the buckshot lariat. 
because yeah. I can tell you right now, that is 100% going to be the finisher for my created guy. <laughs> one, uh, one thing I would like to see is uh, specifically how they handle uh, punch impacts. Yes. Because if you, if you go back and play um, Here Comes the Pain and you do a series of normal punches, they always end with a big you know, knock you on your butt punch. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite things to do was the power of the punch with William Regal. So I want to see if they can particularly get that feeling right with the diamond dynamite, uh, dynamite diamond ring. He's got to have some sort of power of the punch type finisher. Yeah. Um, I think so too. Because I mean, essentially with him being such a heel and we'll talk about this later, he, you know, his two finishers, I think, is the, the arm lock, which he calls the salt of the earth, mm-hmm. um, and that pile driver that he does off of the middle rope, which I can't think of the name of it. Um, but you don't see those. You don't see him finish matches that way. It's always something dirty and not clean, and that's what a heel is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm curious to see how they add that. Um, and then another... Uh, another move that I'm curious to see, which, um, you know, the the animation for it in 2K19 is not bad, but uh, I want to see the one-winged angel. I mean, just Kenny Omega in general and then the V-Trigger, it, they mm. better have a good V-Trigger. <laughs> yeah, man. I uh, I wonder how they are going to handle Orange Cassidy. Oh, I wonder yeah. how they do that because what is, his finisher is a roll up, isn't it? Like he hasn't. Well, he's been orange punch. It's a super orange. Okay, punch. yeah, he's Superman using, punch. But yeah, sure. like he uses some roll up variation. But then again, uh, in addition to the coffin drop, Darby Allen uses that little roll up that he has too. I wonder if they give Darby Allen a skateboard. They have to. If they don't, I the game's a bust. <laughs> <laughs> but AEW games give Darby Allen a skateboard. Right. Hashtag it now. Give us the skateboard. But no, I mean, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see all these guys in the game. Um, And dude, uh, I'm so stoked and beyond excited. Uh, Just because as soon as AEW was announced, one of the first thoughts I had was, okay, when do we get a wrestling game though? Yeah, dude. Like, especially that was like one of my first things. And honestly, it was one of the first things that they talked about whenever AEW was kind of becoming a thing. Like, yeah, it's going to have a video game, but we're going to get ourselves going. You know, we're going to get, you know, get the ground running and then we're going to talk about video games. And I think they're going to do it right. I I really do. If there's one thing I've learned about AEW since they've launched, they never go for the quick short-term satisfaction. They play the long game. Mm Mm-hmm. And speaking of the long game, we can get into that now because there are plenty <laughs> of builds uh, that happened at AEW Full Gear uh, that we'll kind of recap on. One of which uh, was the first match of the night, uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page, which first and foremost, if you're starting off a, a wrestling card, could you ask for a better opening match? I mean, realistically, could you book a better first match? Jesus. I, I don't think so. Um, that was going back to being on TNT and having Tony Schiavone and everything. Uh, that was a very classic uh, mid-90s WCW move. They put on 
They put on the best wrestlers. They put on the cruiserweights in this case. Yeah. Uh, just got the crowd going. They got you excited for the rest of the card. And I think it was just a really smart choice. Absolutely, dude. So anyway, um, Kenny Omega ends up beating Hangman Adam Page. Um, just to kind of preface this, uh, you know, for some who may not be totally up to date on current storylines, they were the first and uh, they might have been the longest reigning tag team champions in AEW history. Um, they eventually had a split. Um, it wasn't an amicable or good split. It ended kind of very unclean. Uh, and speaking of clean, well, now you have Kenny Omega, the cleaner, basically back in action, which when he debuted that entrance against Sonny Kiss, holy shit. I went nuts because he's got one of the best entrance themes. Now you're talking a great entrance to go along with it. But Kenny Omega ends up moving on in that one. And, you know, it's been kind of teased for a while that it seemed like after MJF didn't beat Moxley uh, for the title, it, I, I had a feeling that Kenny Omega would be the one to do it, and I still think that's going to happen eventually. But him winning this match ultimately gave him the, the shot against uh, Moxley. I, I'm with you there. If you believe in the strength of AEW's long-term storyline booking, uh, I think Omega getting the win here just makes sense. 100%. especially against Adam Page. I think he goes on to take the belt from Moxley. I think Adam Page continues um, on his slow and steady, you know, incline. Uh, and eventually we'll probably get Kenny and Adam again for the championship at a pay-per-view in the near future. Uh, hopefully we can have more of a crowd there. Like the, I, one thing that I really like about AEW is how well and how responsibly they have put people in the crowds. Yes. Um, because it, it's professional wrestling. You need a reaction. You need people there. And I think uh, this pay-per-view wouldn't have been nearly as good if you didn't have those people in there. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, you know, they've slowly kind of trickled more and more people. Um, but for the longest time, they basically had talent who wasn't wrestling, just stand at ringside, cheer, make a lot of noise and, they, they made it still fun and enjoyable to watch. Um, I know you don't watch WWE uh, often, if at all, but have you seen any of the Thunderdome stuff? Yes, I have. I mean, I, I've seen it posted. I haven't watched a single episode of WWE in God knows how long, but yeah, I have. It feels weird. I don't know. Like, I, miss, I miss the, the live audience uh, when people are just in like a Zoom call and they're going like this. Yeah, heel does something bad. It just doesn't. It it doesn't hit right with me. Yeah, it's it's very weird. I when they announced it, I'm just like, really cool like, idea. But I think I would rather the performance center over what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah. So Omega, you know, going back to that, mm -hmm. and we're talking about long term builds here. I mean, after all, Moxley and Omega ended the very first episode of AEW Dynamite. Mm -hmm. It ended with Moxley driving Omega through the glass table with a paradigm shift. And they, of and course, had their unsanctioned match. 
Do you remember him after he did that? He picked up a broom and started sweeping. <laughs> oh shit, he did. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So again, it's just little subtleties like that. But Omega One, um, I you know I can't say enough about him right now. He is so damn over and so damn good. Um, I told someone this the other day, dude. It's crazy. I've only really been watching Kenny Omega for the last year. I have heard of him prior to AEW, but I never really watched him because I never watched New Japan and all that stuff. All it took was one year. Dude, I don't think there's even a question that he's in the top five wrestlers of all time. Of all time? Hmm. Okay, I'll give that one to you. You know what? Yeah. Like, for, just from a technical standpoint, like, watch him in the ring, dude. He's so unbelievably smooth, good. He's got so much charisma. And all the hype I heard about Kenny Omega, it's real. You should really, if you haven't done it yet, you should really look up some of his matches in, in, in JPW. Yeah. Those, like, the, the five, six, seven-star matches, like, <laughs> they're real. They're yeah. real good. Dude, he's unbelievable. But Omega wins – um, I, I think that was a pretty safe bet to assume. Um, then you had Orange Cassidy and John Hold on, Silver. Let's, uh, let's uh, talk about the uh, the dynamite cowboy shit. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's talk about dynamite and how they just uh, they, they didn't show Adam Page on the show outside of outside of flashbacks. But Kenny Omega had a promo where he was like, "Hey." People have been asking me, where's the sweeper been? Where's the guy? Where's the best battle machine? Where's the five, six, seven star match guy? And he's like, I never left, but I, I have a reason to, to, to come back now. John Moxley, you got something I want. You have the, you got all your face on all the magazines. You're the face of this company and I want to be that. So uh, it's a very understandable motivation for the character. And I, uh, I think I am definitely going to be intrigued with where they take that build yeah well it's it's it it's coming full circle and kind of going back to what i said about omega being one of the the probably top five wrestlers of all time for me had he been on wwe had he been on a major promotion (laughs) like it wouldn't even be a question but because he wasn't on a major north american promotion of course people may scoff at that um but this will be his chance to be the face of, of one that's up and coming, which will be huge. Um, and it's, it's, it's about time, too, because I was wondering when Kenny Omega would like – I think there was a lot of hesitation to not have, like, Cody Rhodes, to not have the Young yeah. Bucks, to not have um, Kenny Omega be, like, the main event it, perennial guys that a lot of people kind of expected them to be. It was, it was almost like, yeah, we're going to make our own promotion, and we're going to – it's like, you know, that's like some backyard wrestling stuff. The champion's the guy who owns the backyard and everything like that. Right. Um, but I think they – I once again, I think they did it in a really smart way. And well, they, I they think let other guys way. get over. They've earned their way to the to that spot, and yeah. that's not really something that I that I would have thought about. I would have said about the owners of the company. Right. It's a very different mindset over there, and that's what makes it so damn good. Um, well, before we move on, one quick fun fact about Kenny Omega. Um, 
obviously since he kind of reintroduced the cleaner gimmick, he's been having these long entrances with these long, uh, Justin Roberts comes in there and lists off a book's worth of accolades. And one of the (laughs) funny things that he actually addressed recently was he's billed from North Carolina, um, (laughs) but he's Canadian. Yeah. So every, people were wondering about that. And I, I kind of wondered about it too. I'm like, I don't get that, but okay. Apparently it's paying homage to Michael Jordan. Um, because yeah. when Michael Jordan used to get introduced by the Bulls, they used to reference North Carolina. Um, and he talked about that on uh, one of the podcasts he was recently on. And I found that interesting, but again, it just kind of goes into the cleaner gimmick because what it is, it's basically, it's, I feel like it's hard to describe the gimmick based on what I read, but essentially it's very, very much just a, hey, here's all the things I love, and I'm going to mimic them as best as I can. Um, one thing that I hope that he brings back uh, is uh, his, his chainsaw move. So in theory, or in, 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 in kayfabe, I guess, or maybe in real life, uh, he would shave his arms like a day before the match and then he would like rake the oh forehead God. of his opponent using the sharp, like the sharp needly bristles of his newly grown hair. And every time he would like, and then do it. It's hilarious. Oh I love God. that move. Cause it's so believable. That shit sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Just another layer to Kenny Omega and his freaking greatness. But, um, Another match that I don't think disappointed in any stretch of the imagination. Another guy that I'm obsessed with right now in AEW is, uh, well, this uh, this match involved two of them, and that's John Silver and Orange Cassidy. I was going to say, it better, it, you, you better put some respect on John Silver's name. I think he's one of the funniest guys uh, dude, they're, in they're the wrestling They're both industry. hilarious. Like, one of my favorite parts during that match was Orange Cassidy – goes to put his hands in his pockets and we've seen this happen before where people just kind of interrupt that uh Pac um who returned on dynamite this week during his match with orange Cassidy he just grabbed his hands and holds them there and he's like you're not putting them in your pockets like I'm not falling (laughs) for this stupidity well John Silver took it a step further and fucking ripped off orange Cassidy's pockets so he couldn't do it I'm like (laughs) You are the biggest shit bag of a heel, and it's great. I love it. Uh, uh, John Silver uh, did a an inter an interview an, an audition for Tough Enough back when uh, like in 2016 or something. Whenever they tried to bring that back, and his audition tape is just the funniest thing that I've seen. It's just like it's just him being a goofball for three minutes. And like, that's what that character is. Um, it's weird that he is in the faction that he is considering <laughs> like with the person he is, but like, I, I, I am a big fan of, of John Silver and his goofy ass. Oh, his dude. Well, three foot five definitely. ass. He's been getting a lot of love lately, especially cause we haven't really seen Brody Lee too much. So when it comes to the dark order, it's kind of been John Silver getting all the love lately, but he's fantastic. Um, but Orange Cassidy obviously got the win, which he's been dropping matches a little bit lately just because he's been facing guys like Cody Rhodes and right. stuff like that. So um, he, he's it's, got another win in his book. It's interesting the way that they are, they are booking that character. Um, obviously, you, you can't have him win every match. Like, I wonder when they 
make a when they let him make a serious run at the championship is yeah if they ever yeah um because i think that he has the potential for it i think he needs a crowd um he needs a crowd to get the most out of that character but like the things that he has continued to do like this is a character that could have gotten stale months ago right especially in a pandemic with no crowd especially in a pandemic but he's always found a way to make it work and like the internet's still we'll talk about this in a bit but like i really think that like you know chris jericho and his role of like putting over talent has really really helped cassidy specifically definitely and don't let this distract you from the fact that i want uh chris jericho lost to fandango at wrestlemania <laughs> um he but, got paid for that according to his one of his books <laughs> he got paid a hefty sum but uh no i mean and orange cassidy's rivalry with jericho was freaking unbelievable one of the other things that cassidy has done he's helped get best friends over um, yes when they first started i mean no one was really into the whole gimmick of best friends until orange cassidy came along now everybody wants to be part of the bro hug they do in the middle of the <laughs> ring and every time you hear people go ape shit it's great i there is a small touch to to to, to the hug that i really appreciate and it's very japanese Whenever they do the hug, they do a quick zoom out on the hard camera. Yeah. Just like you would see in a Japanese wrestling show. It's, <laughs> it's great. But, yeah, so he's gotten uh, best friends over a little bit. But, yeah, Orange Cassidy, John Silver, I mean, it wasn't anything crazy over the top special. It was what you'd expect, and it was good. It was, um, it was two characters being characters at each other, and it was, it was really fun. Yeah. Now – Next up was the uh, uh, AWTNT championship, which I'm surprised that Darby Allen actually took the title from Cody. I was pretty surprised by that. Um, Not because I don't have faith in Darby. I I love Darby Allen. I think he's fantastic. I was just kind of shocked, like, all right, well, this is who we're dropping the title to. Okay. Okay. but overall, that match was good, and it's going to lead to a really big blowout with uh, Team Taz, which I'm excited to see. Uh, I think they, that this was the right call. Um, you want to – Darby Allen, I think, has the potential to be the next, like, superstar in wrestling. Yeah. Um, and if you treat him like a big deal, I think other people are going to see him as a big deal despite – not being as big as most everybody else but like the the i was watching this match and the thing that stuck out to me is like this was a really good demonstration of how you make speed matter in a wrestling match yeah um because there were a few sequences where i was like oh man darby allen's all over the goddamn place just being a little hyperactive chipmunk and uh it i it was really impressive. Like he did, he was like 15 minutes into the match, just running around like nothing happened. It was nuts. His well, conditioning's off the we've charts. Seen, we've seen him do these matches time and time again, where he just gets his ass kicked and then gets that second win, so to speak, with Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho um, ended up beating him, but it was only because he had handcuffed Darby Allen. Um, so he couldn't even use his hands for the match. Like, just different things like this. Like, one of the small touches to the match with Cody that I loved was every time Cody got pissed and attempted to, quote-unquote, hurt him, 
Darby just looked at him and said, come on, bring it. Yes. Like he kept looking up at him, looking dead as a doornail and just basically giving him the hand signal to come on. That's all you got. Like, it's just those little small touches of being an enigma that make people like you as a wrestler. Um, and then in the fallout on dynamite, you talk about his speed and kind of how he uses that to his advantage. Motherfucker comes out in a jacket with thumbtacks all over and takes out Brian Cage and uh, Ricky Starks. It was great. Man, um, I think that's going to be the way that they are continuously. It's not hard to put like a guy like Darby Allen up against somebody bigger than him because most of the people in the, in the wrestling industry are bigger than him. Yeah. <laughs> but like whenever you have the size disparity between him and Brian Cage uh, and you add in like the fact that Brian Cage is actually a damn good wrestler in his own right and like can keep up with Darby Allen's speed. I'm interested to see where they, where they take that feud. Um, but quickly back to the, the Cody Rhodes match, uh, my favorite spot, and this is what I was talking about over in the wrestling in the, the game talk and the, in the crossroads talk, uh, the top rope crossroads. Yes. In this match. And the way that they got out of that being the finish was executed so well. So it was a uh, Cody Rhodes executed a, a crossroads onto Darby Allen. Darby Allen hits the mat and just starts rolling and stops right as soon as his foot is under the rope, which would break the pin. Genius way to do it. It looked fantastic. Uh, fair, play to, fair play to both of them. Um, and one more note. I have a question that I want to pose. Do you think Cody Rhodes needs Arn Anderson? Oh, that's tough. Because on one hand, I think he could be fine as a standalone but I think what they did was give him a manager to give it sort of, sort of that sports feel because that I love the sports thing that they are doing with Arn Anderson, and I want to see that in the product. However, I think it could go to somebody who is not Cody Rhodes. Yeah, and I think what they did was they established Arn Anderson as a respectable manager to and as a friend of the Rhodes family. Because what I think is going to happen, I think this is eventually going to happen with everyone who's in the elite. Where They're all on the fringe of turning heel. But they haven't yes. quite crossed that line yet. Um, Bucks have obviously been just super kick partying people left and right, being assholes because they wanted the titles. They now have the titles. Um, Cody, the last couple of weeks, really since returning, he's tease some heelish tactics which we saw him as a heel in new japan uh when he kind of unveiled the american nightmare um and then kenny omega is the cleaner i it's only a matter of time i think before all the elite turn heel and i think once that happens i that that's when i think arn anderson eventually uh, i think cody turns on him and Arn finds someone else to maybe put up against Cody to sort of keep that rivalry going. Um, now they could try something totally different. It's AEW. It's been unpredictable at this point, so I could be wrong, but that's something I could see happening. That's fair. Yeah, I, I think so too. And uh, I think it just it it just demonstrates how well AEW is doing 
in terms of like utilizing their managers. Yes. Uh, you have Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard. You have Taz, you have Arn Anderson, you have Jake, the snake Roberts, like all of those guys bring something slightly different to their, their managerial duo. And I think it's really, really something that other wrestling companies should take a look at. Yeah, I mean, with between the managers having the records posted every time or uh, someone walks out, that's a fun thing. I love like that. all these different things just make the presentation so much better, and it makes it feel real. And something that I was worried about with um, AEW and their win loss rankings and how much they matter, I was worried that uh, the title builds would be kind of would kind of fall flat because it's like, oh, this guy just has a better record, so he's going to get the next shot. But no, it's like, it makes sense to have MJF fight for the title. It makes sense to have Eddie Kingston fight for the title because, um, you know, it's just the way that their trajectory is going with their record and they build a storyline around it. I think that's, and I think they that's also, really it's not the end all be all to the wrestlers either. And this is something again, breaking the fourth wall that Taz talked about in a promo with cage and Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks has won nine of his last 10, I think. And cage, I think is undefeated for 2020. Um, and Taz was like, why don't my guys have a fucking title shot at this point? And mm-hmm. he ripped on the company being Taz, which, Seeing Taz back and having him in a managerial role has been yeah. so fucking good. Yeah, it, he's he's flourished. I think I, this is this is the role for him. This is uh, the best version of Taz I think I've seen. You should watch some. You should watch some ECW old school. See, ECW. I, see I didn't watch back ECW when he back when he, re- when he first brought out the FTW title. Uh, that's that's that era of Taz. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, the long story short, um, the Darby Allen is the champion. I, I think it's, it's a really good sign for, yeah. uh, for that guy and the company. Um, next up, which is a match I kind of half paid attention to, but, uh, uh, Hikaru Shida and, uh, Nyla Rose, uh, Shida defeated Rose, I, I'm kind of surprised by that result, especially with the implementation of Vicky Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking but, of great managers. Yeah. So uh, Nyla Rose ended up losing. Her and Vicky kind of got into it after the match was over. Vicky ended up slapping her and walking out on her, which – Love this. I yeah, love this like so it, much. Dude, Vicky, Vicky's such a freaking vixen, and it's, it's great. She's such a badass. And yeah. it's just, it was so funny because like Nyla Rose is this big hulking woman. And it's just like, you got uh, Vicky Guerrero who looks like um, a, a mama and yeah. <laughs> she slaps her and like berates her. And Nyla Rose can only just like look down defeated and sad. Cause she's like, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Vicky Guerrero has been killing it uh, since since forever really yeah (laughs) and honestly like when it comes to when it comes to the women's division in AEW, that is one of the areas i think needs to improve they need some Um, work but uh one that i am excited to see and i hope this ends up being the next champion but Britt baker dds baby she's a she's a dentist didn't you know yeah man 
I didn't, gonna I didn't clean know that. Teeth and put the lockjaw on you, but <laughs> no, dude, I, I, I really enjoy Britt Baker, and I hope that's who becomes the next champion. Sheeta has some good matches. There's just not a lot of depth to her character. Yeah, that's the thing. So uh, I, this is something that AEW and Cody Rhodes are aware of. It's like their their character building for the women's division. Um, they know that it needs some work. And I think that if you can get more Britt Bakers, uh, I think Big Swole is... I, I do uh, like Big Swole. I like Big Swole a lot. Um, so I think if you just kind of like let these women develop their characters a bit, maybe give some mic time, maybe give them some vignettes, I think you'll get there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely not as bad as the WWE's women's division was at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do have some work. And I think out of every company in the wrestling world, I think I trust AEW to to get there. Yeah. But uh, as far as the, everything as far as they're the lacking goes, in the in the women's division, they have it tenfold in the tag team and singles. So as as far as the match goes though, I think it's it's a 15 minute match i think you go back and watch it um they did some really good psychology with cheetah's leg yeah. um vicky guerrero took a cane uh oh, a, a yeah. stick uh if vicky guerrero is taking bombs holy shit <laughs> <laughs> uh but it was it was a good match in its own right and, well like, i did just, i did enjoy yeah. the finish of it cheetah finish was really good kneeing rose in the face 87 times and then just pinning her after just mm-hmm. completely demolishing her face. I was like, all right, that makes sense. Um, I think, I think one thing you could do to make the women's division better is um, give them a better belt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the belt at it's all. It's so small and yeah. I get it. That's a especially to... on Nyla, especially yes. like when Nyla is around and I'm like, you can't put that belt on her because that won't look like a belt. <laughs> it's a toothpick. Right. Yeah. So, it's a piece of dental floss. Um, so I understand where they're coming from. It That is uh, a throwback to old school women's wrestling championships and even like old school, like men's wrestling championships. If you go back and look at the first United States championship that the NWA ever used, that thing's real tiny. It like it looks like a belt buckle, but <laughs> it's 2020. Hashtag make the belt bigger. Make make the women's championship great again. There you go. Um, but no, so uh, now this is where we sort of get into the bulk of what's happening in AEW. Um, that being the Young Bucks defeating FTR. This might have been the second best tag team match of the year behind the six-star match we saw earlier this uh, year, yeah. uh, back in February, I believe, um, with the Bucks and... Uh, Kenny Omega and Paige. Um, th- this build has been a long time coming since FTR arrived. Um, and FTR is actually, they, they dropped the belts because the stipulation was if the Bucks lose, they won't, will never compete for the belts, which um, you saw that, that happen with Cody. With Cody. So yeah. it kind of left it up in the air whether or not they would win or lose. They ended up winning. The Bucks now hold the tag team, AEW tag team titles, which speaking of titles, those look clean as fuck. They're real good. Uh, they remind me a little bit of WCW titles. They're very square, very angular. They have yeah. a little bit of color on them. Oh, yeah. They're, they, but, they're definitely of, its, um, of that era. But Bucks end up getting the, getting the dub there, and FTR supposedly taking a hiatus or leaving. Um, so 
read that they're going to be off of TV, maybe for good, maybe just for a while. I don't know. FTR. Yeah. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. I saw, I saw something posted recently that they're sort of just taking a break, I think, but um, I don't know if they're, they got signed with another company or whatever the case may be. Um, But FTR, if this is the end of them for now, they definitely had a good run and, I think that was a great uh, build between them and the Bucks, and uh, I'm curious to see where the Bucks go from here with the belts now. So uh, I've heard—I don't know how official this is, uh, or if I heard the right thing—but I heard rumors of maybe Chris Jericho and uh, Hager uh, joining the tag division and competing as a tag team from the Inner Circle. So that might be a direction for them. Um, I know that uh, they are. They, they, on Dynamite, they extended a championship match invitation to Top Flight, I think it was. Um, they are a tag team that got some feature, uh, featured time on AEW Dark. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're also a pair of brothers. They're also high flyers. So that should, be, at the very least, be a very exciting match. But man, if you like tag team wrestling, these last like four or five years have been amazing because there's been at least one company somewhere doing tag team wrestling extremely well. You have uh, NXT, basically the FTR show and American Alpha. You had 2016 with SmackDown. You have AEW since basically the entire thing started. Yeah. Um, tag team wrestling has been on the upswing for the last couple of years. And I, I am a big fan of tag team wrestling. So I've enjoyed yeah. it. Well, like, it's crazy because when you talk about tag teams for the longest time, um, I would just fast forward through tag team matches on WWE. Um, now, if there's a tag team match, I'm intrigued, especially with the groups you have in AEW from the Bucks, um, FTR, you know, the different combinations they throw in with Dark Order. Um, I enjoyed SCU when they were champs. Um, uh, but uh, Private Party is one of my favorites. Then you have Jurassic Express. Um, just so many quality tag teams in AEW. Um, and there's definitely going to be a lot to pick from as far as the Bucks go. Um, but I really, the matchup I'd love to see, which I don't know if it's going to happen because they're in the middle of a storyline. But I want to see the Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers at a pay-per-view. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, I uh, the 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 great thing uh, about the Young Bucks in general is you could pit those guys against any tag team, and there is something to look forward to. Absolutely, an element of the performance that you probably haven't seen, or like a thing that they could do that would be better than anything that they've done before. And that is just a testament to their style of wrestling and just the way that they do it that uh, just makes them one of the best tag teams to ever do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the Bucks obviously will now be the standing champions. Um, then in one of my favorite matches of the night, and this was done so fucking brilliantly, 
I was laughing throughout oh, the entire Jesus. thing. I just looked at what was next. <laughs> the elite deletion match between Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara was unfreaking believable. Um, as soon as uh, Hurricane and Gangrel showed up, I lost my shit. I was dying with laughter during that whole fucking sequence. I'm like, wait, that's fucking Gangrel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this was supposed to they were supposed to end this feud with their um what was the last pay-per-view uh that they did? I don't remember. It was a uh, was it all out? No, it wasn't all out. Um anyway, they were supposed to be done with this feud one match ago, but then like you had Matt Hardy slip and fall on his goddamn head on some concrete. Yeah. And he took some time off and I'm glad that that wasn't the end of it because that gave us this beauty of a match um there are a lot of people who are watching wrestling for the first time get to this thing and they're like what the shit is happening (laughs) um and i'm just like that's pro wrestling baby (laughs) get used to it well dude one of my favorite parts uh i thought for sure Guevara was gonna get tossed into the lake of reincarnation but he didn't um but Hurricane Helm sure as shit did, and then he came Boy. back without his Hurricane costume. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, dude. I was, I was wondering. I was like, okay, they, they throw Hurricane into the lake. I wonder what he comes back as. And, yeah. of course, it's going to be his mild-mannered journalist character. Yeah. And then he gets thrown into the thing, and then the Hurricane is brilliant. <laughs> it's really funny stuff. But the way that one ended, that was a, that was a brutal ending. Um so you had the spot off the ladder. I feel like it's a throwback to what happened to Matt Hardy. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it ends with Sammy Guevara getting his head busted open in similar fashion that Matt Hardy did. Obviously, Guevara didn't actually get fucking right. slammed on concrete, though. Um, but overall, I mean, we've seen this happen with uh, these matches at the Hardy compound. They're just crazy there's an element of surprise. There's an element of comedy. There's an element of just eeriness. And as soon as they locked in, I, I forget what Hardy called it, um, like the dome of death or whatever the fuck it was where they finished the match. Um, you know, you hear that like eerie, like kind of horror music playing in the back of the match. And I'm just, it, it, these matches, you know, there's only been a handful of them and every single time they still deliver. Um, there's still just that element of surprise and just that element of fun to them. Yeah. I, one thing that I, is it's a small thing, but I always enjoy it whenever they do a deletion match because this has been going on for like three different companies now. Yeah. It started in, it started with impact and then it jumped to WWE and now it's AEW. And every time I'm just like looking around the Hardy campus and I'm like, I recognize that from the impact match or I recognize this location, <laughs> the WWE match. It's, it's a fun little continuity thing that you don't really see in wrestling. It's, it's a dumb thing, but I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. But, uh, and then, few matches. and then they got private party and just dumped Sammy Guevara into a damn trash can oh, and yeah. just wheeled him off. Yep. Like, <laughs> yep. No, it was, dude, it was great. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, brilliantly done. Um, and now Sammy Guevara's got bigger fish to fry with uh, does he? being in Vegas with MJF right now. Um, 
So next match was MJF and Chris Jericho. You want to talk about long builds. Here's another one. Literally first or second episode of Dynamite. They went back and forth. Do you want me to join the inner circle, Chris? Well, do you want to be in the inner circle, Maxwell? And well, MJF is now officially in the inner circle. <laughs> but uh, we know fiance, that's not going to end that way. <laughs> my fiance asked me who my favorite wrestler was. And I think I, I was like, you know what? I think it has to be MJF. Dude, he's, he's uh, the best. Uh, partially because he shares my initials. Nice. But because <laughs> I, think, I think he is doing some of the best character work in the business right now. Dude, without a doubt. He just plays that heel so perfectly. Um, but this has been, like I said, a long build. Um, Wardlow and Jake Hager now on a freaking war path to collide with one another. I don't know how this is going to end. I'm just excited to see the rest of this play out. But um, MJF, of course, won. It wasn't a clean win either. Um, he pulled the classic Eddie Guerrero, RIP. But yeah, that was close to... Uh... That was close to the end of it, like, like the 15th anniversary of Eddie Guerrero's death. Yeah. Like he pulled that, which was a really fun tribute. Yeah. So I, I posted this on Hotard Huddle's uh, social media pages because as soon as he did it, I'm I like, dude, I'm dying. I was dying laughing as I saw it. So at the same time, uh, MJF gets the, uh, gets the ring tossed to him by Wardlow. And then jake hager tosses floyd which for those of you who don't know <laughs> is chris jericho's bat tosses floyd to chris jericho and the two of them are facing off wardlow's distracting aubrey edwards and mjf realizes this while he's got the ring on his hand he flicks off jericho with the double finger and then just fucking flops on the mat aubrey edwards turns around she was like did you do this like what what happened and then mjf rolls him up one two three game over he's now in the inner circle um dude if there is a wrestler who just sticks to what he is it's mjf it's so fucking good and, um, like, everything about him is what I love about wrestling and what I love about heels. And he's 20, like, he's 24, 25. 24 years he's a baby old. in the industry. Tw- just turned 24. That's insane. Like, he's so good at this age. Like, he's going to be... I, I hope the industry doesn't burn him out. I think AEW is probably the best landing place for him. Uh, he also auditioned for tough enough and that was an interesting um that was an interesting audition tape to to look at because it's the same character i think he was like 18 or something when dude, he put he, in that audition tape and it was the same exact dude he's just being I'm better who he is him. like i yeah, it's mm, like lovely and if you go on Twitter and stuff, he doesn't break the fourth wall ever. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> dude, someone someone talks about their nine-year-old saying what a jerk he is um, after he beat, like, Jungle Boy or something. And he responds to the tweet and says, tell your nine-year-old, tell your nine-year-old to grow up because she's an idiot. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> like... Just the anything get away with fuck. it, yeah, dude. Like, he's dude, he's unbelievable. Um, but he, uh, one of the interesting stories, uh, that he has 
talked about before. So he played middle linebacker um, in college. He didn't last long. He ended up leaving to go become a wrestler because uh, he, he had talked about this. His coach basically assigned him an accountability buddy to basically keep him from leaving campus because he just wasn't feeling it. Like he had just been tabbed as the starter of the college he went to. And he basically said, I should be more excited about this and I'm not. And it's just because I don't want to waste my time doing this when I want to be a wrestler. So he eventually left like a couple of days later, like late in the middle of the night, never went back. I was just like, wow. But um, it's interesting that you bring up like, just kind of his character and who he is. He is someone I want to run into in public, talk to just to see if he is that much of an asshole. (laughs) And if he is, I'm just like, touche, you live and die by your gimmick. I appreciate the hustle. Yeah. Just like, uh, oh man, Mr. MJF, I I appreciate you and your work that you do so much. Yeah. Fuck you. You fucking loser. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet you do. You fat ass. Like, (laughs) Like, dude, that's what he, he called. And like, then you're like, oh, my God, he insulted me. Right. Like, then it's like a badge of honor. Oh, shit. I got insulted by MJF. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to talk about this on my blog. Oh, that's um, beautiful. But uh, moving on, the last match uh, was Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and the I Quit match, which was fucking brutal. Um, thumbtacks got involved. Barbed wire. Oh, uh, wait. Real quick. Um, sorry. Going back to mjf and chris jericho let's talk about the segment on dynamite the induction ceremony oh yeah the induction ceremony was fantastic he tried to pass off drake lyrics uh (laughs) as his own creation and uh you had proud and powerful like that's 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 drake what are you talking about and he's like no i wrote that we started from the bottom and now we're here here hilarious yeah and and he sent that second email to Sammy Guevara, uh, which explained, you know, so Chris Jericho was like, I don't know where Sammy is. I, I talked to him when he got out of the hospital last night. Uh, and then it was later revealed that uh, MJF sent everybody an email to go to the beach and then sent another follow-up email to everybody, but Sammy Guevara didn't get it to just be at the arena. And then next week, we're going to get more inner circle shenanigans when they all go to Las Vegas. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Cause if there's so, one thing that AEW does really well, uh, outside of all the other things they do really well, it's segments like these. Yeah. Well, Jericho posted a picture earlier um, to his uh, social and it was all of them on the rooftop in Vegas, I guess of the villa they're staying in. And uh, you see, Santana, Jericho, and MJF all just happy as hell to be there. Ortiz and Sammy Guevara are just kind of looking like, fuck, dude. I like, I hate these guys. And then it's oh, that's really Hager funny. and Wardlow <laughs> once again staring at one another. I'm looking at it now. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, dude, it's just, yeah, dude, it's pure brilliance. Pure brilliance. Beautiful. Um, but yeah, next week's gonna be dope with whatever happens with the freaking Vegas segments. Um, but the main event, Moxley defeats Eddie Kingston, uh, which I, I don't think anyone expected anything less. Everyone, I, I think, pretty much could have booked it that Kingston was gonna lose this one. Um, but it gave him a main event on a pay-per-view, which this is something that was constantly talked about. He's been in the industry for like 18 years and 
never had the break. And Kingston's a good fucking worker in the ring. He's also oh, yeah. fantastic on the microphone. So just from a standpoint of like you fucking deserve it, you earned it, like 100% he earned it. Yeah, I, this is uh, this is a uh, probably a very special moment in his career because they they keep hammering home that he's been on the independence independent scene and in ROH and like he's been around the wrestling industry and he's a very respected professional wrestler and he's extremely good at what he does, but like the only game in town for a really long time was WWE and whatever the problem was with them, or if they offered him anything, um, it either wasn't good enough for him to, to, you know, give up his independence scene stuff, or he just was worried that they were going to do what WWE does to a lot of wrestlers from the independent scene and squander their potential. Um, but AEW comes around and they actually give him mic time. They let him do his thing. Uh, they just, they just let, uh, uh, they just let Eddie Kingston be Eddie Kingston and it's worked out really well for him. And I'm really happy to see it because I've been following his career for a pretty long time and I'm pretty happy at this. No shit. Yeah. Well, (laughs) he, uh, he talked about a lot of, uh, his trials and tribulations again, referencing talk is Jericho because well, if I'm going to get good information on a wrestling podcast, that's the one to go to. Um, but yeah, hearing his story and just kind of everything he's been through and it's crazy how different he is out of his character. Um, very, he still got that, that kind of that, that New York speak, if you will, um, very rough, rough cut around the edges a little bit, but, uh, very mild mannered at the same time when he's not cutting a promo on someone. Um, but yeah, I, I was happy to see him. They put on a good show. It was brutal. Uh, it eventually led to him saying I quit. Um, and he cut another great promo this week saying it wasn't the last he's going after the title. And I hope he gets his run eventually, even if it's a transitional champion. Um, I'd love to see him eventually capture the title. The way that he, the way that he kicked Ray Phoenix out uh, of the ring after, yeah. their, uh, oh, after dude, that such his match on Dynamite, I was like, oh man, he's he's turning over a new leaf. Kick? Nope, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, uh, he's a shithead. Yeah, best like, way imaginable. The the match uh, that uh, he and John Moxley had was. Uh, very hardcore you get you got the hardcore staples you got your tax spot your you know your thumbtack spots you got uh your barbed wire baseball bat spots but one thing that i want to talk about that why the hell didn't anybody think about this before was the isopropyl alcohol spot yes after the tax spot oh um my God. Kingston takes a bottle of rubbing alcohol and just pours it on john moxley and we're all just thinking like that that sucks everybody has experienced yeah. putting rubbing alcohol on a wound before and like just imagining it like it's 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 one of those things like uh that you're like why didn't anybody ever think of this like when jeff hardy gets his uh earlobes and his gauges like stretched out by like like a screwdriver or something you're like oh my god this hurts in a way that i would have that professional wrestling doesn't make me feel fantastic spot. I'm really happy yeah. to thought about that. No, dude, that's there. I, when I was, 
I had done like face paint when I was like nine years old and I had some stuck on my forehead that I had been rubbing in the shower with, uh, with a washcloth. And I rubbed it so much that it sort of left a little, little mark mark. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, how do I get this off? And my parents were like, uh, just use rubbing alcohol. So I'll put some on a cotton ball, put it on my forehead and when I tell you I've never screamed so much at something in my life, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it, dude, no. So having puncture wounds all over your back and then getting rubbing alcohol poured on it, fuck that noise. Oh, um, it's so smart. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, we've kind of already talked about what's next for Moxley. Um, I'm excited what's next for Kingston because, and this is kind of where we can wrap this up a little bit, but uh the conclusion of Dynamite, after eight months, Pac finally returns. Mm-hmm. Um, the bastard's back. And when he left, he was in a stable with the Lucha Brothers. So they left that wide open as to what happens. But what I think it's going to be now is Ray Phoenix probably goes with Pac. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pentazero... Um, I, I don't even know what his name is at this point. He's changed it now so many times. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it's Pentazero now. Pinta El Zero Mierdo. Yeah, so Mierdo. I think he ends up being with Kingston. There's going to be some power struggle there to some degree. But I'm excited to have Pac back on the freaking show because he is awesome. Something that I appreciate about AEW and this is a thing that I've said over the last like hour and a half a lot. <laughs> um, but something that I like about AEW is that uh, they will write storylines that don't necessarily hinge on uh, your alignment, whether you're a heel or whether you're a face. Yeah. If, if you have a reason to fight somebody and it's a compelling reason, no matter who you are against whoever, they will put you in a feud. Like, for example, um, MJF and Chris Jericho, both heels, um, both pretty comedic, uh, and they set up the, the inner circle stuff way early on and just kind of kept that at the forefront uh, with their constant interactions. And then you have this, who are two very different types of heels uh, compared to those two, and then yeah. you have two ve- like a very different reason for them to fight, and it just makes sense. You know, um, it, it gives it gives the show a little bit of unpredictability, which is uh, a good unpredictability, good unpredictability. Like yeah, WCW in 2000 was bad pre- unpredictability when you had, you know, um, celebrities winning the championship and you had, you know, Eric Bischoff and stuff like that and Vince Russo. But uh I am extremely looking forward to whatever Eddie Kingston and Pac are going to end up doing. Dude, 100%. Um, And it was good to see him back because he, so basically long story short for those listening, he, Pac got basically stuck overseas uh, because of COVID. So he has, Oh, that's why. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So he got stuck overseas because of COVID now he finally was able to come back, which that's what sucked. It started happening right when they were about to build him and the Lucha brothers, which I was stoked for. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be good. Uh, him versus Kingston's definitely going to be an interesting feud. Um, and then you, you alluded to 
MJF and Jericho. I'm curious to see the conclusion of that. We still have a long way to go, I think, with both of those. That's not ending anytime soon. And then you got Moxley and Omega, and they're going to start building. Yeah. And, you know, whatever's next. Uh, uh, Brody Lee should be back soon. Yeah. With, with uh, the shoot, uh, the Dark Order. Yeah. Um, and so that's probably going to be a thing. Um, they, they have some work to do with the women's division, and I think they're going to start pretty soon because I think they've, start, they've started to hear those calls a little bit more. Yeah. So I think they're going to start doing some uh, stuff with that. And like I, I think that these next few months are going to be very good for AEW. They have pulled off uh, pandemic wrestling, I think, better than the WWE has to a certain extent. Um, it, it, as far as an overall show, I'll say, I think WWE's highs have been a little bit higher, especially with Roman Reigns finally being a heel. But I think as a consistent show, AEW has pulled off the pandemic era a little bit better than WWE has. Well, then, you know, I, I talked about this when I did my AEW awards around their one year mark. They have completely obliterated NXT on Wednesdays. Every week. Like they, they have captured the most people 36. At the time I wrote this, 36 out of the 42 weeks, and of the 18 to 49 demographic, they never lost. Which is, of course, why Jericho calls himself the demo, the demo god. god. And then um, MJF's the ratings ruler. Don't forget that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, man, they just do everything so well. And I, I, I don't watch WWE, so I can't speak on the highs of it. Um, but I don't doubt that their highs are pretty up there. Uh, but uh, yeah, when it Roman Reigns to- has been like the best thing on that show, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> like they stuck him. They 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 finally did what they needed to do. They made him heal. They put him with Paul Heyman. Like they they finally did right by him. It only took seven years. It only took they another company it. to come around and start beating them in the ground. So whatever it takes, competition <laughs> equals better products. But. No, man, uh, the future of AEW is bright, especially given the first year or so of what they've done on TV. Now you have the video game. They continue to get out their branding. Um, and, you know, I was talking with you about this before we recorded, but we just I just got the email about our tickets because we oh, were yes. supposed to go to a show in May. Um, and it, was- it got pushed. It was either no, May. Or- sorry, I was I was supposed to go to a SmackDown in March, which obviously didn't happen. Uh, and I think you're right; it might have been it might have been May. Yeah, I think it was May. We were supposed to go see Dynamite coming to New Orleans, which obviously I was losing my shit over. Um, and then you know Rona, and got pushed back to now. Uh, it's supposed to happen first week of December, which I wouldn't have been able to go to anyway. Um, but, uh, just got a- another email saying it's pushed back again. It's just crazy, man. And I, that's one thing I do, I do anxiously await is the day that they can have more crowds in arenas again, because, you know, as great as AEW has been through this pandemic, oh, it's just, 
there's still a different element when there's a live crowd. Live it's, crowds are so much better when it comes to wrestling. I can watch sports without a live crowd. Wrestling without a r- live crowd, it, it, it hurts the product no matter how good you are. Yeah, it's um, – this is, uh, like I said, I think AEW, something uh, smart that they've done is try to slowly filter people back into the arena – um, doing it in a smart way, doing it responsibly, um, you know, you know, putting the mask mandate in. So you have to be wearing a mask to be in the show. Uh, it's, it's been a nice little slice of normalcy uh, in a year that it has been very uh, much the opposite of that. So uh, I think as more people, I think they will slowly start to ramp up as COVID eventually, you know, they get a vaccine and as COVID starts to uh, dwindle away in numbers, hopefully, um, we'll start to see more. And that's when things can really ramp up. Uh, what's the first thing that you want to see? Uh, like, What's the first major, like main event you want to see when everybody is back in wrestling at full capacity? Honestly, the th- I don't know about as far as main events go, but the main thing I want to see is the reactions to Orange Cassidy. I do too. Uh, yeah, me too. I, like, I there was hope, something yeah. so great about every time his hands go up in the air and everyone's just like, oh, and puts him in his yeah, pocket. Yeah, and, and he does like little sloth kicks and like taps him with their foot and people sell yeah. it like death. It's really The kicks great. of doom, baby. Uh, I don't think so with the trajectory of, of COVID-19 as it is, I think we might miss the boat on this, but I would really love to see Adam page take the title from Omega whenever they have a crowd at full capacity again. That will be good. That's the thing that I would like to see. Maybe like depending on when it happens, um, that's the the number one thing that I want to see with a crowd. I, I'll I'll second that. One of the big things that kind of stinks uh, before we wrap up here, uh, but one of the things that really fucking sucked about the pandemic was not getting a live reaction to the debuts of Matt Hardy and Brody Lee on the same night. Oh, yeah. Because they did that, that was, so that brilliantly, was, dude. That was they, like right. Uh, they, they, I think that was, that was right literally the, the first show without a crowd. Yeah, that's wild. Um, but – you know, Brody Lee gets debuted as the exalted one, and everyone was probably thinking, Oh, damn it, I thought it was going to be Matt Hardy, but I'm excited about Brody Lee. This is cool. Yeah. And then, and then- Jack, uh, I can't, I still don't know them apart. Nick or Matt, one of them was like, I called in a favor um, to an old friend to help us for the stadium stampede. Um, <laughs> and stadium stampede. they, they, freaking cut up to matt hardy who's in the crowd and dude i will never forget your text whenever it happened because it was the best thing ever and it said um uh fuck oh what was it damn it i'm gonna butcher it now but uh essentially it said something about matt hardy and it was like he is sure as shit broken um, <laughs> like, I can't remember what the first part of it was. You were like something, something, but he sure as shit is broken. Um, and yeah, when it cut up to Hardy and you see him, just oh, there it is. I said, hey, yeah, he's sure not the exalted one, but he's sure as shit broken. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And dude, I just remember, like, I would have loved to see the reaction to him just because. 
No one expected a second fucking debut that night because you just teased what was the biggest figure you've been trying to pump out for the last four, five months. And then Hardy debuts at the very end. It was brilliant. Oh, yeah. And then he did. He teleported around the stadium, which was a lot of fun. Uh, But yeah, like, damn, it's been a long time (laughs) since March. (laughs) Yep. It's been a long year, but hopefully... uh, Hopefully, AEW will get their crowds back. I'm excited for the release of the video games. I'm excited for the storylines that continue to brew. And for my uh, my dude, Stumblebee, a.k.a. Matt Free, I'm sure this won't be the last AEW podcast you see us do as we try to do these anytime big events happen. But as always, honor the huddle. All right. Add a little flavor to your kitchen with 985 Products. 985 Products delivers various flavors that hits the taste buds just right, making you smile and wanting a tad bit more. Their products are created with a touch of bayou and a dash of culture. The 985 sauce is the food lover's choice for flavor and spice. Or add a dash of the 985 Cajun Allspice on your red beans and rice, gumbo, chicken, or soup, and you can fall in love all over again. In addition to their signature sauce and seasoning, wind down with some of their vintage wines like Kerry's Merlot and Kerry's Sauvignon. Join Kerry's Wine Club for $1.95 per year. A membership with Kerry's Wine Club includes five bottles per year, Kerry's Wine Club merch, invitations to wine sampling events, exclusive updates, and a 10% discount on all purchases. When you purchase from 985 products, use the code HOTARDHUDDLE all caps, all one word, for a 10% discount on any of their select products. Visit 985products.com. That is the number, 985products.com. And again, receive 10% off on your purchase with the code HOTARDHUDDLE, all caps, all one word. That is 985products.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on all major platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't miss any updates from HotardHuddle.com by going to the website and subscribing to our email list. You can also follow Hotard Huddle on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle. As always, honor the huddle.